Thank you for listening to this sermon from Redeemer Church. We pray that as you listen to this message, that your heart would be softened, your ears would be open, and your affections for Jesus would be stirred. We pray that through the Holy Spirit, you would look more like Jesus and know Him more as we strive to be a gospel-centered, disciple-making family together in Wichita Falls. And the way up is not a set of stairs or an elevator, but it's a downed escalator. It's going down. All right, how's the only way that you're going to get out of this basement? Through tremendous effort. Through tremendous effort. It's like every little boy's dream to be like, the only way up is going the opposite way up this escalator. It's something that I kind of dream of too. I, I, I wish if stores, if this uh, escalator stopped working at stores, that we could uh, actually just, you know, if the up one doesn't work, we can all go up one way. This would be fun, you know? But the only way up it is through tremendous effort. Well, I say all that to say this. Life is a down escalator. Life is a down escalator. The only way to progress is through tremendous effort. The only way to progress is through... Tremendous effort. Uh, think about your life. If you do nothing with your body, your body's just like, oh, okay, I guess we're doing nothing now, and it begins to decay. All right? If you do nothing with your car, your car doesn't work if you don't turn it on for 10 years. It will cease to work. If you do nothing with your home, it doesn't stay clean. It perpetually gets dirty. If you do nothing with your Spanish, all right? I'm embarrassed to say that I'm almost a Spanish minor from Texas Tech University. This, don't hold this against Texas Tech University. And I know no Spanish. You came, you came up to me and I would be like, I, I don't know any, I don't know anything. All right? If it, but if you immerse me, I might get it after a little bit. But that's just normal life. If you don't do anything with your half-court shots. I used to be a 25% half-court shooter. And I have, uh, listen, I have touted that um, fact after we tear this thing down almost every single week. The last thing that I do is I try to um, prove to someone that I'm a 25% half-court shooter. And guess what? I'm, I'm more like a 10% half-court shooter, I'm embarrassed to say, all right? But if you don't practice, if you only practice once a week, you do nothing to enhance, guess what? Life is a down escalator. The only way to progress is through tremendous difficulty. So how do we grow in our virtue? Last week, we talked about growing into maturity. We talked about growing in our character. How do you grow into maturity? How do you grow in your character? Only through tremendous effort. Only through tremendous effort. Second uh, Peter 1 lists off all these things that we need to grow in and supplement with our faith. Supplement your faith with virtue, with knowledge, with self-control, with faithfulness, and with godliness. And look what it says in verse 8. And verse 8 says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he or she is blind, is blind, having forgotten that they have been cleansed from their former sins. Therefore, brothers, listen to me. Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, growth in your character... You will never fall. 
How do we grow in our character? Only through tremendous effort. Only through tremendous striving. And only through maturity. Maturity in the Lord, kind of like what we talked about last week. And so what, is, what does this passage teach us about growth in God? What does this passage teach us about growth in God? It, it addresses three things. It teaches us how we can grow, why we can grow, and why we must grow. So how we can grow, why we can grow, and why we must grow. So how can we grow spiritually? That's our question. How can we grow spiritually? We talked about how can we mature in Christ last week? How do we do this? And it's only through intimacy with him. It is only through deep connection with him. And he gives us an analogy that is so powerful. So powerful. He gives us the, the analogy of a branch connected to a trunk of a tree. Or it says the branch connected to the vine or the stem. And, and what's interesting about this analogy that we have to understand is Jesus is the vine. Jesus is the trunk of the tree of life. All right. And Jesus's roots through the trunk are connected into the soil and the life of God himself. And we, who are we? Are we, are we the roots in the ground? No, no. We are the branches. And so are we connected into the soil at all? Are we connected into the life of God at all? No. Our only access to God, listen, our only access to God is through the power of the vine that's connected to God. That's important because this analogy is crucial for us to try to understand. Our only access to growth and maturity is through Christ. You think that's not profound, but it's extraordinarily profound. Assess your life right now. How are you trying to mature? How are you trying to grow? What, what psychological tricks or, or, or things are you trying to grow in more than love, obedience, and following Jesus? What, what are you trying to grow in more than intimacy with the Lord? Because then you're trying to graft yourself into something else other than the vine. Other than the vine. And the only way you can grow in virtue and to maturity in spiritual health and vitality is through your direct interconnection with God himself through Christ. The only way we grow is through the power of God. Ephesians 3 says this really powerfully. It says, now to him who is Christ, who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or think, according to the power at work within us. How do we grow? Through the power of God's work through Christ within us. We have to be connected to the power source. We have to be connected to the life, the life of the tree of life. And apart from him, we can do absolutely nothing. So this is not talking about dead religion. This is not talking about growing in your religious fervor. This is not talking about any, any to-do list that you have in your mind's eye. It's like, oh man, I went to church today. I woke up early. Uh, this is not the, the, the life that this Bible is trying to communicate to us. That's all dead religion. The thing that it's trying to communicate to us is, do you know Christ? Do you intimately know Christ? Do you even know what I mean? Or is this the part of the sermon that you tune out? Listen to me. If you're tuned out right now, throw up a red flag. Throw up a flare to God and say, God, you got to help me because I'm nervous about this. I tune out the idea of me being okay with God, having to be connected directly to Christ. 
What, are, what is your heart? What is your conscience bearing witness about yourself and what you're actually connected to? Are you connected to Christ? And therefore you feel uh, the, the blessings of Christ, the peace of Christ, the, the gentleness of Christ, the kindness of Christ filling up your heart and motivating you out? Or is something else filling up your cup? So, something else. Something like some therapy. I'm not, saying, I'm not, I'm not anti-therapy. Don't hear, don't hear me say that. I'm not anti-counselor. I'm not anti-Christian counselor. I'm not anti-any of that. But is that the primary thing that you feel like you need to connect into? Uh, there is a, there's a really powerful book written in 1967 called The Triumph of the Therapeutic by a guy named Philip Reef. The Triumph of the Therapeutic. This was written in 1960. And one of the things that was quoted in Philip Reef's book is he said, uh, based on my assessment of where the culture is going, there will be a time in the very near future to where no one will actually be honest. No one will actually be honest about how they're doing in real life unless they are talking to a trained therapist. The only people that they will be honest to is someone that they pay money to to talk to. And my fear is this, folks, that Philip Reef wasn't trying to be a prophet, but he's very, very close to it. We're in a cultural moment to where we feel like we cannot be ourselves. We're putting up all these masks, all these shields, and only telling the truth to those that we are paying to help us. And the, the resources within the church of God, the resources of the church of God, how we're set up and structured here at Redeemer Church is we need brutal honesty about where, where we are and how we're doing. Brutal honesty with the bride of Christ, with brothers and sisters in the faith, that we can confess our sins one to another so that we may be, be healed. The Lord knows, the Lord knows the freedom of honest transparency about how you're doing. And he has built into, he has built into the church mechanisms for us to do all of the things that are healthy for our mental, emotional, and spiritual health within the bride of Christ, within the bride of Christ. And so what are you looking for? What are you looking for? What are you connected to? Do you think, oh, Christianity isn't working, so I must need Jesus plus this over here? Or... Are you saying, I am going to go to the Bible and get as close as I possibly can to the Lord? I'm going to seek out counselors. I'm going to seek out teachers in the, in the Lord. I'm going to seek out pastors in the Lord, shepherds that can guide me in the Word to help me understand it so I can get really, really close, really, really close to God. Because He is the vine. He is the vine. We are the branches. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. Apart from him, we can bear no good fruit. So, are you committed to Christ? Is Christ supplying your joy? Is he supplying you with future hope? Is he supplying you with peace, self-control? If he's not supplying you with these things, guess what? You are grafted into something else. You're grafted into something else. You're plugged into something else because the natural reflex of being plugged in, grafted in, connected to the vine is all of these things come out naturally. They come out naturally. And so who we are as a people, we have to do honest, daily, 
moment-by-moment assessment of what am I connected to? What is my faith trusting in? What am I, what am I, what is the soil of my heart rooted in? Is it the vine which is rooted into the soil of God? Or is it something else that's not producing good fruit? It's producing anxiety, fear, shame, guilt. You see, our heart and our faith is not passive. It will pursue something to root itself in. It will perceive something. So let me, let me quickly apply some of this. Because this is true, that the only way that we grow and mature is through connection with the vine. You and I have to give up our small ambitions in bearing the name Christ. Jesus wants more from you than just passing this next test. Jesus wants more from you than just getting the plane that you want to drop. Jesus wants more from you from just getting through the day without getting angry. Put down your small ambitions, church. You are connected to the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the friend of friends, the master of masters. Stop treating him as if you are bothering him with your close presence. Stop treating him uh, as if he's just a vending machine that could give you a, a good passing grade on this test that you didn't actually study for. Stop treating him that way. Treat him as, he, as if he's God and that this passage is true. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given to, given to you. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Do you trust in him? Is your life reflecting it? Is the fruit of your life perpetual joy, peace, patience, love for God and for other people. Because this is what the the good news is right here, is he's calling us to set aside our small ambitions and pursue God with all that we are. This is life transformational stuff. Are you a despairing person? Ask for joy. Ask for joy. Are you a hard-hearted person? Ask God for kindness. Are you crushed in spirit? Are you crushed in spirit? Ask God to fill your heart with his love. Are you an anxious person? Ask God for overwhelming peace. Just ask him. Go to him. Don't distance yourself from God because you're afraid that he'll send you away on a mission trip the closer that you get to him, all right? Get close to him as much as you can. And then trust him. Trust him by asking him big things. Whatever negative fruit is in your life, say, God, take this away today. Today. And I'm going to pursue you and trust you. And I'm going to get as close to you because I'm, I'm the branch. And the only way that I can bear fruit and have life within me is through being connected to the, to the vine. And Jesus' roots are connected to the soil of the creator of the fruits of the Spirit. Are you connected to Christ? Are you obeying Him in this instance? And I think one of the things that we're struggling with as a culture is we see simple things in the Bible and then we don't believe them because we say, we, we believe the lie of the, uh, of the enemy by saying that's too simplistic. You need to be more thoughtful than, than that. Actually, you need to be extraordinarily thoughtful on how simplistic the truths of the Bible are. And you need to apply them and appropriate them and then do an evaluation of your heart. Is what is my faith in? Do I believe God here? Yes or no? And how do I, how do I apply it appropriately? And you say, Cody, I just can't. I've tried 
tried to read my Bible. I've tried to go to church. It just didn't seem to work for me. Here's a question. Do you want to obey Jesus? Answer that in your heart. Do you want to obey Jesus? Yes or no? If the answer is yes, then that's a glimmer of faith. And Jesus is honored by that little glimmer of faith. Now keep stepping forward. Keep moving forward. If you say, I want to obey you, Lord, praise God for that, and then take the next step forward. I want to obey you deeper. I want to obey you in what you say about your word. I want to obey you whenever I read something that's difficult and hard for me to understand in your word. Go to him. Get as close as you possibly can to him and trust him in faith. James, James chapter 1. Can't wait to meet this brother because he was so direct. Uh, And uh, he's been a a great help to me in my life. In James chapter 1 verse 6 he says, um, Whenever you ask of the Lord, let him not ask Um, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea and is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Whenever you say, I want to obey, the the primary thing that's so hard that you got to work into your worldview, Christians, look at me. What you've got to work into your worldview is how to think hard enough to obey the simplicity of Scripture, to work in the broad strokes that Jesus paints and says, why don't you trust me? Why don't you abide in me? Why don't you walk with me? Why don't you love me? And you got to, in your honest assessment of trying to get close to God, say, I'm going to do this one simple thing and work it as deep into my heart. And then you're going to do an evaluation and say, how are all the, in what ways am I not trusting in this? And how can I ask God to give me deeper trust in abiding in him here? Uh, Let him who asks, ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea and is driven and tossed by the wind. For, the, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. What is your confidence? What confidence do you have in the Lord right now? What confidence do you have in the Lord that He hears your prayers, that He's working for your good? Do you have confidence in Him? Or do you have confidence in something in something else? What are you abiding in? See, Christians have to do honest assessment continually. Christians have to say, if I'm not abiding in Christ, I am abiding in something. So what the Bible calls idolatry, uh, worshiping something, you, you place your faith in something that is not rooted in Christ. You're putting your faith in something. You see, we have a very negative connotation that has happened to the majority of Americans. We've been brought up in a public school system that teaches us that things are neutral. Nothing is neutral in this world. Nothing is neutral. You're either in the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. All right, you're either obeying and following God, the one true God, in spirit or in tr- and in truth, or you're obeying or you're being blinded by the schemes of the devil. This is in the Bible, folks. I'm not just some backwoods preacher, all right? This is one of those things you're going to have to work into your heart. There is no neutrality. Secularism is not a neutral worldview. It is antithetical to the Word of God. 
is antithetical to the Word of God. So what we have to extricate ourselves from is this idea, is this idea is if I'm struggling in my relationship with the Lord, I'm just stagnant. No, life is a down escalator. You're going backwards. You're, you're either pursuing the Lord or you're going back or you're going back down. All right? This is how, this is how the Bible communicates faith. So we have to constantly kill our idols. We have to constantly evaluate and say, what, what am I trusting in over him? What, what am I giving my time over to more than him? It's like, I'm just, I'm so busy. Right, Cody, I'm so busy. You're asking me to read my Bible like 15 minutes a day. And you're asking me to pray like 10 minutes a day. There's not enough time. Cody, there's not enough time to do that. All right? I, my screen time obviously is really important. I, I get that little notification that I've told you about. It came on again today really faithfully. I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, that's where those four hours a day went. All right? Anybody want to? Want to do an auctioneer of who had the biggest, uh, uh, the most hours this week? Man, this is, if we say we're too busy, like Apple is throwing in our face that we're not actually too busy. They're, they're sending you a reminder on Sunday that you're not actually too busy. Uh, you're not busy if you're scrolling Instagram or TikTok or Snapchatting for two hours a day. Uh, uh, these are idols that we have to say, I'm killing them. I'm cutting them out of my life. All right? You say, Cody, I'm too, I'm too addicted. I'm too addicted. Is an iPhone worth your soul? Why don't you just throw it away? There, there's things called Go phones or flip phones. I had a Go phone in college. I thought it was cool. It was before I had an iPhone, and then my life was changed, all right? Um, <laughs> I had a GoFund. It, it was so dumb. It was so dumb. You couldn't do anything with it. it, it my, my mom could call me, and I could text. Like one, I'd get halfway through a text message, and then I'd just be frustrated. You know, like it, the T9 thing, it didn't, it didn't really work well. I didn't like it. But guess what? Guess what? It was in college during this time where I didn't have all these distractions, where the Lord started to shape my worldview and help me understand that everything is about him. Is your iPhone worth your soul? Is your iPad worth your soul? Is, is your Netflix account or Disney Plus or whatever it is, is that worth your soul? And I know this is an easy question. It's an easy question, but I want to say the obvious stuff out loud here. Let's say, let's be honest about what we're struggling with as a culture. Uh, we're struggling with this addiction to this, like to our comfort into our perpetual habits. Wake up. We have to wake up. And we have to see what is the soil of my heart resting in. Why am I filled with such anxiety? Why am I filled with such fear? Why am I filled with such, such shame and guilt? Look, you can trace that back in your heart. You can trace it back and find what the soil of your life is resting in. For meaning, purpose, security, power and hope and if it's not in Christ if it's not in Christ it will only produce these negative ne negative feelings in your life that's all that's all that it will do that's all that it can do and so if you feel weak in this room and you're trying to process through like I, I don't think I can do it you can the Lord has given you the church 
He's given you the church to, set, to be, have honest evaluation. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm addicted, guys. I'm addicted to this, and I'm addic- addicted to this, and I got to get rid of it. What do I do? I was like, well, you got to cut out. You got to cut out something. You have to do minor surgery on your life, on your time management, and on your heart, and sometimes on your electronics. I'm just going to be honest about that. All right? We should not be mastered by anything. We have a master in heaven that loves us and gave himself for us. He is worth, he is worth our whole lives. Do that honest evaluating, evaluation, church. Do that honest evaluation. So how do we grow? How do we grow? Obviously, it's through him, but it's also through, what does our text tell us today? It's through obeying him. We grow through obeying him. Whoever abides in me and I in him, verse 5, he it is that bears much fruit, the fruits of the Spirit. All right? For apart from me, you can do nothing. And this is, verse 10, if you keep my commandments. If you keep my commandments. How does Jesus connect us to him? What what does it say? It says we have to have obedient commandments dependence on him obedient dependence on him now next week we're going to talk about what the lord does and i want to spend the rest of our time this morning talking about how we are to abide in him how we are to abide in him all right so next week we'll talk we'll go back and talk about how the lord is the one that prunes he prunes us and shapes us and uh, he uh, as the the vine dresser But uh, this week, we're going to talk about what we have to do to abide. How do we abide? We have to abide in two things. Number one, we have to abide in his words. And number two, we have to abide in his love. All right? We have to abide in his words, and we have to abide in the good news of his love poured out into our hearts. All right? So, so many of us think that if I just do the church thing, and I do the church thing really, really well, maybe even better than anyone else, then I will be well supplied and well nourished in order to walk the Christian life really well. All right? And let me say this. Uh, Survivor is about to come on, uh, 43rd season of Survivor. And let me just say, if you're rolling your eyes right now, they don't make 43 seasons of junk. That's all I'm saying, all right? (laughs) 43 seasons, man, just check it out. It's free and on something. Um, on Survivor, if you're familiar, I know I'm just preaching like 13 nerds out there, but uh, the premise is, is you're surviving and you're playing a game at the same time. It's pretty cool. Uh, maybe Stephanie and I watch it. I've heard some of y'all watch it, so this is really for y'all. Uh, in Survivor, the new season, they don't give them any food, all right? So you're on this beach, Surviving with zero food. But if you win these challenges, which are physically demanding, while you're completely depleted, all right, you can win a food reward. And what they do is they go and they gorge themselves on like something nasty like pizza or something after they hadn't eaten for three days. And then they're like, oh man, I have so much energy. I feel so much better. This was amazing. And then the other group goes back and they starve and they're like, we got to really do better next time and we can win this thing, all right? And so what's going on is they are trying to survive, gorge themselves. They feel terrible for like 72 hours and then they win again and then they feel terrible and they gorge themselves again. And it's this cycle up and down. A lot of times what we do is we treat church 
like Survivor in the reward challenges. And I was like, oh man, I need this sermon to like really fill me up. Like my entire spiritual vitality is dependent upon Cody and his sermon on Sunday or Ryan and how he leads worship on Sunday or, or, or my grow group or my gospel community leader and how we open up the Bible and stuff. And that's not how, the, is that what Jesus is talking about here? Abide in me? Abide in me and I abide in you? Apart from me, you can do nothing? You see, this is, um, we really need to probably read the King James all throughout the Gospel of John because this word abide comes up a bunch, but only in the ESV does it come up right here in John chapter 15. See, early on, uh, whenever the disciples were looking for Jesus, they say, where are you abiding? Where are you remaining? Where are you living? Is literally the question that is asked over and over again. But we see it in the KJV. We don't see it in the English because it's a weird word. Abide just means remain, to make your home, to stay, to rest. All right? Kick up your feet, stay a while. And Jesus all throughout the Gospel of John has just been saying he calls his early on disciples to abide with him. He's calling Nicodemus to abide with him. And really what salvation is, salvation is finding your heart abiding in the truth of the gospel. Salvation is finding your heart, discovering that your heart is actually resting and abiding in the finished work of Jesus. And so uh, we're at this disadvantage, but we have to understand that church Religious stuff, though it's good and ordained by God for our flourishing, it's just like a meal. It's just like a meal that you can take in with the body of believers. It might even be a more nutritious meal than your daily habits of grace, walking with him and reading his word. But if it's the only thing, you are still going to dwindle the same way they dwindle on Survivor. All right? I think the average weight that they lose is 30 pounds, even though they gorge themselves every three days. You're going to go down and down and down. Why? Because life is a down escalator. It's a down escalator. And what gospel centrality is, is taking the truths of the gospel, abiding in Christ, and applying it to every other area of your life. It's, it's not okay just to be uh, the American Christian that knows the right time to smile, knows the right time to say amen in the sermon. I was going to give you all an opportunity. All right? Thank you. Knows, knows uh, uh, all the, the Christianese language, all right? But deep in their heart and their soul, it's like still riddled with anger, still covered in shame, filled with anxiety and fear, all right? That's not what the Lord is calling us to here. What is he calling us to? He's calling us to constant remaining and abiding in him. Constant. Constantly making your home with him. Make, make your home with him whenever you go to work. Whenever you homeschool your kids. Whenever you're processing through hard things with your, with your spouse. You have to take the truths of the Bible and you have to squeeze them out and get all the juices so that they nourish you throughout the day. How do, how do I be a gospel-centered employee? Well, I mean, my goodness. Uh, Colossians says, whatever you do, work heartily as working for the Lord, not for men. So you go to work saying, I'm working for the Lord. I'm not working to try to um, 
climb this ladder or anything like this. I'm working because I want to bring glory to an audience of one. I want to bring glory to the audience of one. You got to take the truths of God and work them deep into your heart. Work them, uh, make them the realest thing of every aspect of your life. What really the Bible is doing, what really the Bible is doing is creating for you a new reality. A new reality. What do we do whenever we first enter into this world? We start knowing how to get our way. Little babies cry when they need something. They need a diaper change. They're hungry. They feel bad. They're hurting. And that just grows and grows and grows and grows throughout our life. And you know what we're doing? We're creating a reality. This is how people deal with my emotions. This is how people respond to whenever I do this or that. And you're creating this reality, whether it's negative or positive, depending on your circumstances. And what the new birth is, is it's saying you're dying to this reality that you have constructed in your mind and you are now abiding in Christ. You're under the apprenticeship of Jesus and your new worldview is shaped by his love letter through the Bible to you, Christians. You have to die to the old reality and you have to take up, take up the new reality that is shaped by the worldview of the Bible. That is what the Christian does and that is what gospel centrality is. And so our values of gospel centrality have to be shaped not just in how we think about worship, but how we think about every aspect of your life, down to your eating and your drinking. Do it for the glory of God. See, Cody, I don't know how to start. I read the Bible, and I'm really, really confused. All right? On your uh, bulletin, I put a QR code to this book right here. Uh, I am not the author of this book. I don't know the author of this book. This is not an Instagram ad or anything like this. I just think it's really, really good. I think it, it's extraordinarily good. I'm going to leave it up here, and if you need to look at it, uh, afterwards, but this is a Bible handbook. It teaches you how to study the Word of God in a really, really systematic, healthy way. It teaches you what every single book is about thematically all throughout the Bible. It teaches you different genres of the Bible, so you're just like, man, I really need encouragement, and you go to the law of Leviticus, it's like, it, it wasn't actually written for your encouragement, it was written for something else. And so it gives you kind of a framework, a framework to begin to devote your life to the Word of God, to sit, to create for yourself a new reality. Because I know what it's like to be a young Christian, a young Christian who opens up the book of Job and just says, what is going on here? I don't understand what's going on. How is this supposed to edify me? I am so lost. Grab this or grab a pastor, grab me. Grab someone that's more spiritually mature than you and say, let's study the Word of God together and begin to shape your worldview around that. This is what we have to do as a body of believers. We have to let the love of God dwell deep within our hearts. Because here's the truth that you have to, to grasp. As we are trying to dwell and walk with God, as we're trying to shape this new reality, what you have to understand is the very simplistic doctrines of the faith. What is a Christian? 
A Christian is someone that says, Lord, I've recognized that I'm a sinner and I don't want to be judged according to my own works. I want to be judged by Jesus' works in my place. And at that moment, whenever you, with the sincerity of your heart, say, I'm no longer going to strive towards godliness, but I'm going to trust solely on the finished work of Christ, his perfect life, his death in my place, and his resurrection for my sins. I'm going to trust in all of that to give me a new understanding of what it means to connect with God. And whenever you believe that with your heart, at that moment you are clean. There is no more guilt or shame. Your sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. You were an enemy of God. Now you're a friend of God. You're adopted into the family of God. And Jesus looks at you, God looks at you the same way that he looks at Christ. That is what a Christian is. That's what a Christian is. He adopts you into his family. And I've never met a family in, in the uh, adoption the adoption world that hasn't looked at their adopted son or daughter and says that is that the child is 100% mine my friends Andrew and Kylie Leonard when got their uh, when got their son from a foreign country and whenever they brought them in they said the same love that was bursting in our heart whenever we saw our two daughters enter into the world burst into our heart with whenever we saw this this child that we had been praying for and, and craving for for months on end. This is how God sees you, as a beloved father looking down at you and saying, you are mine. Why? Because you're grafted in. You're grafted in as a branch to the vine. You're grafted in so that you can know without a shadow of a doubt, I am clean and safe in the arms of God through faith in Jesus. But, but why must you grow? Because it says right here that how do you prove yourself to be his disciples? By loving him and obeying his commands. The only way that you can have peace, peace in the arms of God, is by evaluating your life and your heart and saying, am I walking with him? Am I obeying him? Am I becoming more like him? This is why it's so important to abide, because if you don't, if you don't abide, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You can have no assurance of your salvation. No assurance. Now listen to me. Don't get confused. Some of you all misheard me right there. The Lord has built into our world seasons. And if you're in a winter season right now, and you look at the vine, and you say, oh my goodness, there's no fruit on it. There's no fruit on it whatsoever. Listen, that's not evidence that you're going to be cut off and thrown into the fire. You have to look back on your true confession that you've made in the presence of witnesses and before God and say, was that authentic and real? Did I ask in faith? Yes or no? Do you want to follow God? Again, another, another point of evidence that you abide in him. But, but whenever you are evaluating your life and you evaluate it and you see no fruit whatsoever, and you're like, season after season seems to be going on, and I'm spiraling down further and further and further and further. Wake up, confessional Christian. Wake up. Evaluate your heart. And then say, is this winter time? Or does this mean not trusting that Jesus is who he says he is? What is it for you? What is it for you? Are you in a season of winter right now? 
those that are listening very intently? Or are you in a season, a season that you have just now woken up, that there's never been any fruit on the vine, that you've learned the Christian language, that you've blended in to the family, but were never fully sold? So what's our application? Preach the good news to yourself day in and day out. Preach the truth of the gospel to yourself day in, day out. It doesn't matter if you believe this for the first time or the millionth time. Continue to preach the gospel to yourself. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the only way that you will produce fruit in this life is by perpetual preaching to yourself the good news of the gospel, living in his love, growing in his word. But apart from him, you can do nothing. And the fruit of your life will be this, just anxiety, just depression, just shame, just guilt, just fear, just meaningless, just you and your iPhone to be your God. Jesus is better. He's better. He preaches a better word over all of us. He's giving us better news. Walk in him. Abide in him. Do not ignore this very plain call. Because apart from him, you can do nothing. Let's pray.